0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus, the uh, true leave of Extreme Metal Podcasts. I am the Death Metal Guy, a.k.a. Black Braid Liquor Cabinet GoFundMe.
1: Oh my god, support Native Struggles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I am the Black Metal Guy, a.k.a. Japanese Style Skunk Cafe.
0: Oh, oh no, I hate it. <laughs> They're not decented, are they? Not like a pet skunk. Not in Japan. (sighs) Of course not. Anyway, we've got a jam-packed show, so I'm going to skip most of the preamble, but I'm going to do some housekeeping because I've forgotten that the last couple episodes. Uh, First up, social media. Me, Death Metal Guy. Facebook, at Terminus Podcast. You, Black Metal Guy. Instagram, at Terminus Extreme Metal. Listeners, pay. Patreon. Patreon. Terminus Extreme Metal Podcast $3 extra episodes $5 Discord anime memes hot pictures of feet This is Josh from Defeated Sanity and you're listening to Terminus Extreme Metal Podcast Ladies and gentlemen uh, round 1 Gridlink Coronet Juniper Willowtip Records uh, a record I was extremely excited for, as were uh, I think a lot of you guys uh, who are frequent listeners to the show. Um, in the interest of not going for clickbait short version, it's uh, it's a masterpiece and it may be Gridlink's best album. Uh, it's immediately one of the best of the year. Uh, long version. Um, Gridlink is a band that I've enjoyed for a long time. Like a lot of people, I got introduced to them through Longhena, which was their third and for a while final full-length after uh, Takafumi Matsubara, the primary guitarist, uh, had, uh, I want to say, a brain aneurysm or something to that effect that uh, substantially hindered his ability to play guitar and required a really long physical recovery. But um, after a lot of years, Gridlink is back and... Uh, I anticipated that this would be excellent. I couldn't imagine that uh Gridlink would fail, given the stuff that the members had done uh, in their spare time. Like, uh, no one knows what the dead think. Uh, and uh, Takafumi Matsubara's uh, solo project, Strange, Beautiful, and Fast. Um, so I, I, I had little doubt that this was going to be phenomenal. Um, and I'm really not disappointed. Uh, this really does... Um, it does everything that was done so well on Long Haina, which I think everyone can agree really was just the apex of Gridlink's career. Uh, the first two records, Orphan and Amber Grey, are excellent, but Long Haina is just clearly their best album. Um, so I guess the most impressive thing about Coronet Juniper is that it managed to take what seemed like a perfect record in Long Haina and perfect it further and pin down even more precisely what makes gridlink so special um i'll get a little bit into where i think this falls uh it, musically because i i think i have a different answer to that than a lot of people would but uh black metal guy um were you exposed to Gridlink before I showed them to you? Like, were you were, you were already familiar to a pretty good degree? Right? I, I
1: was already generally familiar. I'd seen, I'd heard some of it and thought, hey, this is really cool. And I'd seen some videos of him um, playing, maybe not Gridlink riffs, but playing his signature hyperspeed uh, hyperspeed speed metal riffs in in the course of his recovery. A friend of mine who was really into shred was showed me them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it's very cool. I was excited for this record, and I'm you know glad that he's back operating at peak capacity. Um, yeah. I so no, I I didn't have like a huge Gridlink background at all.
0: Oh, okay. Um, so so this will be like kind of your your first full length with them. Um, Probably, yeah. Yeah. So I'll I'll ask you your opinions, but I want to frame it in a certain way. So uh, I'm going to make the argument that uh coronet juniper is the best screamo record of the year like uh very much in the vein of something like swarm although obviously executed differently with an emphasis on different parts of itself um but now i'm going to spend the rest of the review walking that back and talking about how heavy metal it is um structurally uh and in terms of riffcraft uh for those who haven't heard Long Haina, this is really a further iteration on that idea these sorts of very fast very technical melodic riffs that are really at their heart almost traditional heavy metal riffs um or as you said like technical speed metal riffs um, what this is the most unlike in a lot of ways to me is other grindcore, which is funny because Gridlink is known as this flagship sort of technical grindcore band. Um, but I'm not sure that really fits. Sure, the songs are dense and short and very impactful and based off of just a few fundamental ideas. But I think there's a way you get to this record that can bypass Napalm Death entirely. Um, I'm sure the guys in Gridlink love Napalm Death, but I think there's a way you get here without that. Um, So where do you think this falls? Uh, In terms of, like, how would you describe it to... uh, Because I I just feel like the grindcore label is a little bit of a misnomer. I think it's right,
1: but just in the most broad sense. I mean, bro, does it grind? Mm Mm-hmm. It grinds, right? Uh, I think in terms of... um, the Screamo stuff that you're mentioning as an influence on it, uh, that's yeah, that's undeniable. But whether you're talking about Swarm and Envy or other Japanese bands, or whether you're talking about, you know, like One Eyed God Prophecy or Orchid or whatever, right? All those bands had a pretty heavy grindcore influence, mm-hmm. right? Or Page 99 or whatever, yeah. right? That's uh, like the, the, Yeah, the the main screamo reference points are very grindy themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think, um, I mean, our standard. I get what you mean in that there are very there are pretty much zero grindcore riffs on here. But we've talked many times about how there really isn't such a thing as a grindcore riff. Mm -hmm. Like there are a few exceptions to that in bands that practice the style in a very pure and ascetic way, like Internal Rot they right. mm-hmm. are like okay that can't exist in any context other than grindcore these are yeah. grind riffs but um uh generally right and I'm rehearsing shit for reader, listeners who haven't heard it yet but like generally speaking we think of grind as uh about taking riffs from all over the map right from death metal originally from death metal and crust punk and whatnot and then um uh stringing them together in specific kinds of song structures to produce a desired effect right it Mm -hmm. grinds um and that's one thing that gives it the chaotic everything thrown in a blender field uh um it has to do with pacing and sequencing and uh tempo uh but um so there's I think maybe what marks it as so different is he's doing the grind procedure on extremely different raw material. You might hear grind bands that have bits of mellow death thrown in, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, in various ways, Uh, or, um, like, what was... I remember people thought of... Was Sinus as unusually melodic for, like, a crust grind band or Mm -hmm. things like that? Yeah. Um, but it is, and you know, you might hear melody by way of a bit of black metal or something. But the idea that the primary mater- melodic material for the riffs is uh, heavy metal, speed metal, and the most sort of elaborate mellow death and Swedish black death—that's that's pretty unfamiliar.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you really get to the center of what's kind of my thesis statement about Gridlink mm-hmm. at this point, which is that Gridlink is so remarkable because, well, amongst many things, but the most prominent thing is Takafumi Matsubari is such a genius level guitarist that he is able to take, I, I believe, just like full melodies from other bands and recontextualize them in such a way that they belong to him specifically. Um, Takafumi is just, is technically a wizard, but more importantly, he, he understands how to write memorable melodies in, in such an intuitive way, and in such a, a sort of casual, off-the-cuff way where he can just snatch something out of an At The gate song, rework mm-hmm. it slightly in his own idioms, and it's, it's entirely new. Because you and I both noticed just tons of things across this record that either could be or just are nods to other music. Uh, I, I was talking to you the other night, and I said that there is a melody on this record where the riff is an interpolation of a vocal melody from the theme to Neon Genesis Evangelion, which it makes perfect sense for this band. I also I've also i been
1: rewatching it.
0: Oh, have you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: with my girl. It's, you know. Oh,
0: I'll also talk. Uh, I would like to say you have a great note in here about your conspiracy for the release date, which oh, I think oh, I, I, I think I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Timed for the release of
0: Armored Core Six. Yes, because yes. Gridlink is like a video game and anime band. It's it's great. <laughs> G- Gridlink
1: understands what people listen to extreme metal for. Do they do they do they listen to it for, yeah, um, flailing socio political grievance? No, they listen to it for giant machines shooting lasers.
0: Oh yeah, I love the art. Uh, I, I love the mecha with the lasers. And then if you look closely, you realize it's probably a miniature that they've taken a photo of oh that's sick that's so cool i lo- I love um, that idea and frankly I, I, I,
1: I definitely don't own any ava miniatures
0: <laughs> yeah i i'd also like to say that Gridlink, um it, it should not be a typical thing in extreme music but they, they're like slick hyper mod modern aesthetic i i really enjoy i, I love all oh, this, yeah. the sans serif typefaces yeah. you know the neon colors it's awesome
2: yeah, I
1: like there's no sort of beating around the bush here. It's just like, yes, we know the music sounds like anime. And yes, it's about anime. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the, um, but, or it's not about anime. It doesn't have, it's not dependent. It's not just like e- Evangelion themed, right? It's mm-hmm. doing its own thing, but it's doing it in the same sort of cultural imaginary as anime, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I want to underscore what you're saying, because I really like that point you made. And if someone is listening casually, like as they try not to chop their finger joints off at the machine shop, they might have heard you heard what you were saying as sort of a reiteration of the kind of thing I was saying. But you're, you're making a really specific point, which is it's not just that Matsubara is lifting... Drawing, is do- it's not just that he's doing the regular grind thing, i.e. ripping off and arrange or lifting riff styles and arranging them in this original way, right? It's that the riffs themselves, when you zero in on the riffs, um, you can hear that they're in many cases almost literally borrowed from other bands. And yet they sound completely transmuted by his particular approach to writing and particular approach to uh, you know sort of phrasing and delivery.
0: Right? yeah, well, there's is that yeah, oh, you, no, absolutely. It's, and i and- I'd also like to say that you know the the thing that's most impressive is that he's mm-hmm. able to take such disparate ideas recontextualize them, and then package them together into this totally unified aesthetic where a heavy metal riff next to a DSBM riff next to a grind riff next to an anime theme song sounds completely contiguous.
1: Yeah, and and that is the grind thing. I mean, so it's like he's doing... Normally, the grind effect is you borrow content and you give it a grindy form. Here, he's doing that, but... Your point is that he's also trans. He's also grindifying the riffs themselves. He's acting on the content, the borrowed content, as well as the form, so that it all becomes thoroughly his. Even when they're very elaborate hook melodies that might be a signature from another band. You know, like an At the Gates riff might be really heavy, but it doesn't grind. Uh, and at the gates riff delivered by Matsubara grinds. Yes, and it sounds like his riff, even though note for note you might rearrange it and be like, "Hey, this is a sick part on Slaughter of the Soul."
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, if you want the the quote for the sticker on the jewel case, it is, Coronet Juniper is a masterpiece of collage art, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. Um, like the the highest level
0: on which one can grind. Yeah, pretty much it, It's like I, it, Within the Remember how I said You know Ad nauseum Close the door On Diso Death Th- Gridlink Kind of closes the door On anything In this vein Except for another Gridlink record I, I, mm. it's, They don't have A ton of competition Which is strange Because people Love this band um, But it, it's, Now it's Almost impossible how How is anyone going to try to imitate this? This is just so, so masterful in its craftsmanship. I mean, this is, this is the product of decades and decades of musical experience and songwriting knowledge. Um, you, you can't do this, <laughs> like, li- listening well, and, at home. <laughs>
2: and
1: the, the years of recovery for him mm-hmm. means that you can't, in a way, he has had the, you know, D- disasters in the right hands can produce opportunities and mm-hmm. in a way this is his second shot at a first album yes, very often yes. the first album very often the first album has exponentially more years of writing in it than any subsequent record mm-hmm. for a band and uh in this case, it's been fucking nine years, and you can guarantee even when he couldn't play, he was humming riffs and right, recording them, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, he's had nine fucking years, so in a way, as much life history has gone into this one record as into Amber Gray.
0: Yeah, it is, um, it, it is titanic in its scope in less than 20 minutes. Um, All right. Let's grind. Well, wait, wait, sorry.
1: You're going to say one more? Okay, no. let's grind. So yeah. let's. we've talked a lot about, we started with the thing that this is basically a Screamo record, and then we've talked a lot about how it's like, how it relates to how it also is a grindcore record and how it relates to, you know, its, it's riffing source material. Now let's get back to the Screamo thing. You can hear how, despite this grindy composition method and these riffs that are just epic heavy metal, this is in terms of overall mood, quintessentially a screamo record and in the, in the sort of Japanese vein. So this is uh, track one from the beginning, Silk Ash Cascade. So that riff that we faded out on, mm-hmm. and that we also start on, um, that's a classic example of a metal riff. That is, we've talked about this before. There are certain riffs that are metal riffs, right? That it could have been a Maiden riff, mm-hmm. but the way it's delivered is specifically screamo and its close cousin, American metalcore.
0: Yeah, it's right? it's it's screamo thunderstruck.
1: Exactly. <laughs> oh, really nicely put. Yes. Um, it's it's screamo thunderstruck and it's um you could hear it in an especially metallic part of a Thursday record you could hear it in something like that with a different tone in like darkest hour or even oh, yeah. uh, even the second thrice record or unearth unearth uh, would unearth yeah 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 um so all of these classic sort of melodic metalcore bands and moments like that in. I mean, there's also, like, riffs basically like that in many of the screamo bands we mentioned at the beginning, mm-hmm. but um, maybe a little less heavy metal. Um, but, yeah, that's a, a classic sort of high-stakes anticipatory screamo riff. And then it sort of launches into something that you call you called while we were listening to it, like the one kind of distinctive grid-link riff there is. How would you describe that?
0: Yeah, so we'll hear it a few times on these samples, but it's... a. Uh... Uh, a, a sort of tense, minor key, but not, not really dark climbing mm-hmm. chord progression with either a sort of technical melodic fragment looping over it or just like a an octave matching, climbing, like wailing trem guitar. Um, that's a specific figure that gets used across the Gridlink discography. So, so it's, a, it's a uniquely Takafumi thing.
1: So it's this kind of moving pedal point thing drawn Mm -hmm. from, which is similar to things in Melodeth or even in like Marduk or whatever, but here it's being used. Here it's, this is his idiom, right? It's... it's And over it, there's some active guitar filling in that space. Whereas, say, I don't know, Marduk would certainly just like keep the pedal point on the root and... uh, you know the the mellow death bands might uh, might might try to the Melodeath bands might be less abstract about it. They try to fill in a melody on the rhythm guitar instead of putting it all in whatever crazy shit the lead is doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, mm-hmm. it, it's he, he likes um, I think Takafumi likes having a sort of intense negative space between guitar lines. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he doesn't like intertwining leads so much as like a very deep rhythm guitar and a very yes. high spindly lead. Um, That's a
1: good point, and I really like that. It, it allows the two guitar parts to be genuinely distinct and interacting, as opposed to falling into the lead and rhythm pattern.
0: Yes, and well, it's also helped by Gridlink appreciates a sort of thin production. Um, I think this is one of this is probably going to be the best produced album of the year. Uh, the drum production alone is fucking insane. In some of the, the just solo drum parts, the, the amount of, of, of body and tone color you get from the drums is spectacular. Uh, obviously the drumming performance is also just absurd. Um, so, so Gridlink does appreciate their roots in this sort of, you know, you know, this is considered the spiritual successor to something like Discordance Axis, which I kind of agree with and kind of don't, um. But Discord and Saxis uh, was one of the flagship sort of white belt grind bands, which, is, which really means Screamo grind. We just didn't know that at the time. Um, but they always had an appreciation for a thin, grindy production. The guitars are strong, but they don't have what you would call a lot of heaviness or body to them. And it, it makes the, the musical soundscape very spacious because it's not getting clotted up with quite as much guitar saturation as you get from a regular metal record.
1: That's a very good point, and I would say the um, for listeners contrast that thin, sound, deliberately thin sound from the uh, just unbelievably beefy sound of other popular grind bands from that area, namely like Nasum and uh, Rotten Sound or mm-hmm. Pig Destroyer.
0: Yeah, which are, um, those
1: are trying to be. And right? the thin sound, the thin sound here. Is that's it's also a screamo thing. I mean, maybe maybe Discordance Axis is getting it from their own place, but here it's a screamo thing that is although it sounds like Discordance Axis were white belt, right? So that's a screamo no, production it's, convention. It's,
0: Discordance was very screamo, but but more kind of noisy right. angular we're, screamo, right?
1: Right, right, right. So the thin production is is typical of that, and it's, it's it's kind of a glassy, it brings it pretty close to a glassy tone like you would get in post punk. Um, mm-hmm post-punk or goth or anything like that but it's being played in a much more aggressive way Uh, but yeah that's it and it brings attention to the guitar texture and creates this more sort of uh, you know um, well for a lot of the screamo bands it can be a more sort of uh, angsty and collapsing mood or it can be sort of more ethereal Mm -hmm. yeah but anyway um, what why don't why don't we go to yours?
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, we're gonna go to the third track on this record and just listen to the whole thing. This is called Pitch Black Resolve. Uh, it's one of my favorites on the record. Um, and here we're gonna get back to a couple things. One being that this opens with the thing that I'm calling the Gridlink riff, that arrangement of like upward climbing chord progressions. Um, but it's also going to touch on something that you pointed out, which is a proximity to American metalcore, which is, you know, joined at the hip with Screamo and is also very important to this band because there is just one of those incredibly greasy sort of pentatonic uh, God forbid, yeah, yeah. Like, a, like a God forbid riff or like a Lamb of God riff, like a new wave of American heavy metal riff, but played at a blinding speed that loses none of the, the inherent swagger. Uh, So, yeah, let's listen to Pitch Black Resolve. This whole thing fucking rules. It's, yeah, that, that, like, I never thought that Gridlink would play a riff that sounds like uh, you're entering a pool hall in a movie from 2005. (laughs) Oh, and there's a bunch of rough guys inside in leather jackets. But then they play it like 40% too fast. And it has a character all its own. I I, I, I love the contrast of the but ideas. There's
1: uh, also a crazy follow-through on it. Like the riff actually has a very elaborate shape in a way that might be uh, you might not get from Pantera.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it, it, well, it's got, you know, triple the notes of a Pantera <laughs> riff, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's sort
1: of like it's sort of like circle. It does this weird it does this kind of circle. It's big stacked power. Big, like, rising power chords that are, that move in a kind of like, yeah, in a sort of arpeggio circle yeah. or something.
0: Well, you pointed out a similarity to Skeleton Witch on the big Melodeth riff there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's after the big, you know, after the, 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 the throwdown bluesy riff, uh, you get that. Yeah, that's sort of more sort of beautiful mm-hmm. uh beautiful thrashing riff that is yeah it's very influenced by mellow death and swedish black death but it really sort of conspicuously thrashes in uh it rather that is sort of it goes with the thinner production on this record if you play those kinds of big mellow death rick, rick if you play a mellow death riff and you chord it in a kind of black metally way and you're playing it with screamo production, it's gonna sound a lot like Skeleton, which is more sort of elegant moments. I'm thinking of like, I don't know how they sounded later. I'm just thinking of like Beyond the Permafrost.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, I I'm glad that you touched on you know the 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 sort of inherently American quality because I want to touch on the fact that this is like very much an American band and a Japanese band rolled into mm. one. I think that's
1: a very good point.
0: And they really sort of appreciate the, the furthest eccentricities of their respective regions. You know, things very unique to those places coming into collision in a really cool way. Um, something I also noticed, uh, especially on your first sample, is the chord voicings that Takafumi is using are, because I was listening to them into the, in the car today, um, they sound like the Carrier. In a lot of ways. This sort of matching yeah, of melodic uh, hardcore and screamo chord voicing. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, it's so fucking cool. Um, but I I want you to get more into the melodeath because we we've, we've got a great one on the next sample.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you got the carrier in there. Yeah, that's a very good point. Super underrated band because they played screamo chords or with like the elegance and with the elegance that they would be played in a black metal band. Right. Just like really fully fleshed out melodies and harmonies, but but um. with
0: also like just the, the 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 sort of like knuckle dragging intensity of Hatebreed, you know, it's so mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, on
1: the, on the mosh parts, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, uh So this next one, so basically like the the first Pitch half, Black Resolve the
0: first per- half of this record is like an unbroken chain of genius songs.
1: Yeah, yeah, Pitch Black Resolve ends uh and then Nickelgrass Mosaic starts immediately. One aspect of grind writing is that uh the songs interact with each other far more than on any other kind of record. They're written together. So you think you just got done. You're like, oh shoot, the epic Melodeath part is over. Well, that's where you're wrong.
0: What a fucking, what a, just a bear of a little tiny song. Jesus. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's a huge tiny song. So, (laughs) I mean, the balls it takes to lead with that riff. (laughs) Like, as with the big sort of uh, Lamb of God riff on the last song, he's so good at playing melodies that he plays kinds of melodies that the first time you heard them when you were fifteen blew your fucking mind. Yeah. Right.
0: And and then you and, hate them for another twenty years. Exactly. <laughs> you
1: grow older, or and if if you don't hate them, you allow them only in the very certain, in specific contexts. Mm-hmm. Right. You're like, okay, well I like that for what it is. Right. But that's like, you know, oh, it's you know, it's Pantera, or oh, that's silly. You know, that's like fun, indulgent metalcore or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? You put them in their corner and you move on to... uh, You move on to bands from Belarus who can't play their instruments. (laughs) Um, But they're... uh, But, like, he's so good at taking that just sort of massive Dorian chord progression riff and just... a Dorian sort of... It feels a little minor, a little pentatonic, and just... Through speed, through delivery, and through that sort of well-rounded, fleshed-out form, the way it goes down the descent, just nailing it and reminding you why those riffs are actually great.
0: Yeah, and uh, that that Dorian melody, that, that really elaborate winding one. That's the one that's the fucking Neon Genesis Evangelion theme because you can interpolate over it exactly, you know, th- that that song that people use in the meme videos. The da 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 da. Oh yeah. yeah, you're right. Dude, it's yeah. the same fucking melody. He's changed <laughs> it slightly because I noticed.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, I noticed that the way he arranged it before I realized what it was, uh, he, sometimes Takafumi will arrange these leads more like vocal melodies in terms of like how he's staggering the notes Mm -hmm. um they're not really played in a guitar idiom they're played in a vocal idiom and then i pieced it together with the notation and i was like the the god the madman's done it the madman's done exactly this
1: (laughs) man um you know so also in terms of that huge riff um Something that made me think of was Naglfar, Sweden, Mm, which is technically Black Death, but you know, there's a spectrum from Black Death to Mellow Death. It's really just one style, um, and we don't have a good name for it yet, but uh, it's, the the Naglfar record, although it's sort of black metal, is as indulgent and, you know, willfully fruity as any Mellow Death record, and they'll totally do things like that, just like big chords moving up a really epic progression right Mm -hmm. um but yeah anyway um just wanted to mention them and that also links to one of the next riffs uh pretty quickly after that the skeleton witch riff returns for a very similar (laughs) one that sort of nimble nimble muted and corded riff so he's not just linking the songs in an extremely meaningful way He's also deliberately doing modular songwriting, where riffs from other songs reappear later mm-hmm. to unify the thing. Uh, and at the end, he does something that's really grindy. He he hits this sort of lead, big low low end lead, sort of death metal style tra- single string trem. <laughs> Or something, and he just sits on the fragment, deliberately kind of stuttering it and mm-hmm. winding up tension, and that's a very grindy thing to do.
0: Yes, yes, it is. Uh, the The most extreme grindcore stuff comes around the fringes in in moments like mm-hmm. that that are used for very deliberate effect. Um, but one one more instance of Takafumi um, uh, sort of appropriating material from radically different styles and repurposing it. We're going to go to the next song, Ocean Vertigo. (laughs) This song is almost entirely based off of a DSBM riff. And Takafumi plays a bunch of different subtle variations of it that bring out different tone color and different chord voicings. Um, I, I also want to say, just before I forget, that this Record compares really strongly to the contrastic record Mammon that mm-hmm, was my favorite mm-hmm. of 2020. It's got the same sort of like futuristic kind of sad emo metalcore grind thing. Um and With I didn't think exhilarating
1: I, sadness. Yeah, yeah, pure pure
0: yeah. ghost in the shell shit. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and I didn't think I would hear more of that until I heard this record so let's listen to Takafumi just take a a stock DSBM riff and make the coolest shit in the world out of it do this shit anymore. This is a little one, Gash, and you're listening to Terminus.
1: Alright, and we are back from uh, outfitting our mechs to discuss the new one from Seelenviholomon. This is Helvetinkon, which translates roughly as Hell Engine. Out now on Hammer of Hate. One of Finland's classics. Uh the um so in a way this is the new one, but we reviewed a couple other Ceilun releases earlier this year. Uh we released we reviewed a um the split with Sudan Tyval, which was actually 2022. Uh but what we focused on was this was the Ceylon Murskaya EP, which came out much earlier than this year but was actually written after the material on this record, mm. uh, after the material on Helvet and mm. And it was an EP and it was composed out of frustration with how long it took to get Helvet and <laughs> out, right? Because of basically supply chain issues, um, which have been affecting uh, record production all over, basically. Uh, so sila morskaya was a bit of a departure from the recent direction of the band. It was all, more like their early material, uh, but uh, it was almost like, an, as you put it, like a more sort of modernized, impaled Nazarene, you know? Yeah, yeah. Very quick, punky black metal songs, um, and with a lot of grinding riffs, but also extremely elaborate uh extremely elaborate leads of the kind that Selin Volonen has become known for uh but you know when these are delivered at breakneck speed and in the context of and with raw punky production it sounds almost more like emperor type stuff uh like like sort of so it's like impaled Nazarene with more Norse and Finnish grandeur uh well they are Finnish but you know what I mean uh you know the fancy Finnish stuff yeah, yeah. um yeah so um Uh, so that was a bit of a departure. Um, but Helvet and Cohen is, um, yeah, this is definitely not, although this record has plenty of, uh, one, two hardcore beats and plenty of stomping oi passages, it really does not have the punkish feel that is, uh, core to Seelen Vaholinen and that was especially exaggerated on the last EP. Um, it, it is more restrained uh, and in that sense it carries on a tendency that we heard in some of the songs on to Kaski, uh, the 2021 <laughs> one, which had a couple songs, remember I described that one track as like Sunday Afternoon and Early Spring in Helsinki? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sort of, it, it has tracks that have this kind of um, they started to have these tracks that have this kind of, like, bleary-eyed, downcast, urban noir vibe. Um, and this record, this newest one, uh, Cone carries that really, really far. Uh, it, it, it has whatever, people often refer to something in the Finnish style that you hear maybe in Horna as a certain kind of sour riffing. Mm-hmm. Right, or you could maybe bitter if you like, depending on which kind of beer you prefer. Um, but right, riffs with, with riffs that have kind of a wicked twist to them, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and you know unexpected half steps in a way that's different from the evil and crushing unexpected half steps of the Norwegian stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this is. This is that tendency carried towards the fullest extreme. Also influenced a ton by Peste noir, I think that, yeah. and and literally the sort of the French decadent and noir film vibe that you get in a lot of his music, and by video game music, I think, which uh, you know the 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 main man Matthias, has never been shy about, uh, you know, as as a core, core influence. This record is really soundtracky y uh, and has very elaborate melodic riffs, and in some ways I think we agree is straining at the bounds of the black metal format, and especially the stomping Finnish black metal format. Uh, it's really good, there's outrageously, sc- outrageously detailed melodies with um, much more detailed Rhythm guitar then we often get in finished stuff um cool instrumental performances and yeah a unique atmosphere um but let's get into trying to define what makes this weird I mean death metal guy what did you make of it
0: um uh, agreed this is an extremely weird record I think I like it <laughs> I, I, I I think that I like it maybe a lot but I, I I'm kind of struggling with like If there's something to say that this is coming up with musical ideas that I'm having a lot of trouble describing in a way that seems, in a way that would like, you know, I guess when you're a critic, you're trying to find ways to describe music, which is of course, you know, like dancing around architecture, but, you know, hopefully with the idea that you can give the impression of what it sounds like to to the listener or the reader or what have you. Here, that's really difficult to do. Um you can imagine this as a sort of black heavy metal fusion and that is almost objectively true but where your brain goes is completely wrong you're not going (laughs) you're not going into dissection you know you're going more into like a pure love of early Judas Priest and like the first two maiden records um combined with a a level of black metal aggr- abrasion and aggressiveness that is a, a fascinating contrast but i i wonder if it's even necessary for these songs this is one of the weird cases where i i feel like this is pointing toward something I, I, I don't wanna use the word softer on principle because no. this is a metal broadcast, yeah, yeah. but you get what I mean. Something, yeah. you know, something closer yeah. to the 80s. There are certain
1: parts of this record that are very aggressive in the classic vein um, for this band and for black metal uh, and um, have an immediate physical energy to them. Um, but they're the exception rather than the rule and that's not by mistake right Mm -hmm. this is uh the it's after something different and often the blast beats and the stomping one two beats and the the you know the the screeching vocals seem kind of incidental to what's going on here uh and i think what you're what you're saying death metal guy i I think you're right it's it's unusual in a way that's hard to describe this is extremely original music yet Mm -hmm. but what or this is extremely original music and wherever Celan Valholanen is going, he hasn't quite got there yet. This is something original taking shape, and I think it's it's in the midst of the metamorphosis. Yes, it's, and it,
0: he's working out a new vocabulary for yeah, this style.
1: And, and I think it often feels like the kinds of melodies he's developing and also the kinds of atmospheres uh, really are shackled by the format that this has to be... Driving one, two beat, blast beat, stomp.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, like it's pushing towards something that has the more of the kind of rhythmic freedom you could get in soundtrack music.
0: Yes. Um, um, I would also suggest that maybe what we're seeing here, um, along with the other recent Seeland Valhullinen releases, as well as the White Rune record that we covered a little while back, might be part of a process of Matthias sort of rediscovering stuff that he loved in his youth um, yeah, yeah so so White Rune is almost this like unabashed love letter to early Emperor and early Dimmu Borger I think and Cradle especially. of Filth, and Cradle of yeah. filth. Um, very you know the kind of stuff that you would listen to as a young guy in metal you know Matthias is a little bit older than us it was more contemporary for him but same idea um, additionally beyond that I think that, he's
1: actually not much older than us
0: oh okay Yeah, um, so, uh, or, uh, like, another, maybe a weird thing, uh, so this does sound like Impaled Nazarene still, but it actually sounds a lot like the Impaled Nazarene with Alexi Laiho in it, which was, like, a one or two album period where Alexi from Children of Bodom was sort of filling Mm. in, and I'm wondering if maybe just more directly Children of Bodom is kind of an influence here, a band that we never talk about but are really important to Finnish Finnish metal.
1: We talked about it once when that morgal record came
0: out oh yeah yeah yeah
1: um but i would not be surprised if that were an influence here that makes a lot of sense anyway let's since since we can't describe it let's get to the samples um and uh this is and this will get to, to some other aspects of the atmosphere here this is just um First, basically first two minutes of the record, this is uh, Sinetti Ya Simboli. the sample, because I'm at the second track. Is that possible? If not, we'll just use this sample.
0: No, I'll just... How about I just bolt in... How about we just listen to the second one now, and we'll just switch the order around.
1: Oh, oh, word. Did I have the, um... Oh, oh let's see. Oh, I was looking that's right I was looking at the wrong fucking, I was looking at the wrong notes there we go okay so wait if I introduced we're actually good dude because um, I can just do
0: I I, I fucked up man I was looking ya yeah yeah
1: I was looking at the notes under it now here we go okay um okay that's ready fine. to go
0: all right go for it
1: Okay, so we open with this really ornate neoclassical riff, you know, like an overture. Du- 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 you know, um and that has this cool contra- cool harmony um moving kind of independently from the main melody. And if you were blast if 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 it was delivered in a different way, like there are riffs like that that were on the last EP <clears throat> or riffs like that that you could maybe hear on the white rune record right Mm -hmm. it could sound like you know grim awe-inspiring evil castle music right um but then in this context it's a little different it's it's sort of restrained and we hit then this rhythm part that's in a way a classic finish thing right do cha do cha stomping mid-tempo chorded rhythm part um and
0: the rhythm chords
1: really sound like DSBM, don't they?
0: Yeah, they do, and that's that's a thing that I'll touch upon later is yeah. hole and its relationship with DSBM, which is always sort of like murmuring away in the background.
1: Yeah, not so much on the early stuff, although maybe more than I realized. Um, but like, certainly on this record, it's really upped. Um, and although. Those chords could also sound like Horna. They sound like Horna on and and N F Low, Solfus, blah, blah 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 which has a lot of DSBM in it. I mean, mm-hmm. even Sano Yessi has a lot of DSBM yeah. in it. Um and uh and, and so there's this very different mood at play. Uh and it, we we end up quick, pretty quickly. I mean, gosh, we were just Fucking talking about this with Gridlink, but we end up with uh, alternate soundtrack to Ghost in the Shell, <laughs> right? Um, and we, we get this. It, it the song it regains its sort of gothic intensity uh, towards the end, right? You get this crazy flam drumming, um, but the the lead the main melody is just this sort of like downward spiraling. Uh, lead that sort of shifts, shifts between phrases by half steps, right? Everything is sort of like all the intervals are narrowed and slinky. Um, And if it resembles black metal, it's again, like, I don't know. It reminds me of like Hakuja, Mm -hmm. um, which is Japanese DSBM. And highly soundtracky but hakuja sounds more like black metal on average than this record does (laughs) uh and and this part is and i don't mean that as an insult to this record it's just after something different um the uh yeah it's i'll try to develop that distinction a little further on this next one uh it's, I mean, did you have anything else to say about that sample in particular?
0: No, um, I, I guess I wanted to say something a little bit more meta about CeeLin Vaholin. And I guess if there's like a primary thread that follows through this band from the more like traditionally black metal material to this, um, it's a real emphasis on directness in songwriting. Not, not in the sense that it doesn't have subtlety or complexity, but in that it really has no interest in anything tricky or mysterious, or even necessarily unanticipated. It, it's after something very specific and direct, and it wants to communicate it to the listener in a very plain-spoken way. Um, which I think is interesting. It sort of runs counter to a lot of natural impulses in black metal to mm-hmm. to mystery and, and and sort of, like, confounding weirdness. Célinn Valhoulin has no interest in that. That's, that, <laughs> that's a good point. I
1: mean... Uh, um, a guy on our Discord, right, labeled grouped Seelan Vaholinen as a sort of street black metal band.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, in that, and you know that has to do with the Oi and RAC influence, obviously, but also the specific atmosphere, right? It's yeah. It's very it's city music, and it's very grounded, right? It has this sort of yeah craftsman like directness. I mean, there's a simplicity and directness to Horna. Right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of mystery there. Oh, or yeah, an extremely yeah. mysterious band. Yeah,
0: Torn is, is about alchemy and shit. No yeah, way, yeah,
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> Exactly. Seeland exactly. Valhounen
0: is, isn't writing anything about fucking alchemy. That's nerd shit. Right, we don't do right, that. <laughs>
1: right. The, the classic Seeland Valhounen song was about, you know, beating someone's ass on the back streets. Right? <laughs> Tama-kansa, Tamakansa, tamama, or whatever. Right? <laughs> um, And this stuff is still very street and very urban, but in a, in a really different way. Uh, so here we're going to go to track two, which is Rivoni Astalo, Uh, and this is structured as a ripper, right? It's paced as a ripper in that it has that hardcore beat and the oi stomp, and you get some echoes of the old seal and and feel, but m- melodically again, it really wants to go somewhere else. Uh, And yeah, let's check it out.
0: At the end there, that's like an NWOBHM thing.
1: You mean the do you mean the like the lead or the rhythm? Part? The
0: lead. And especially using the lead as a rhythm is mm-hmm. like a very like early eighties NWOBHM thing. You know, before the shape of the heavy metal riff was perfectly defined.
1: So do you mean kind of vamping with the lead?
0: Yeah, vamping a little bit with the lead, not really, you know, before there were rules, before the rhythm guitar was there to do chords. There was still holdover stuff from 60s and 70s rock that hadn't Mm -hmm. leached its way out yet. And he's sort of rediscovering some of those ideas here.
1: And what I wanted to talk about there is the really active rhythm part, Mm -hmm. uh, which is doing straight-up counterpoint, independent rhythm. Uh, And so you can hear at, at the 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 rhythm riff there has two versions um the first we get the descending chord progression uh, under those weedly woodly british heavy metal leads get descending chord progression leading to a crunchingly nasty resolution Mm -hmm. uh which echoes the stompy chords that we heard earlier in the song and then the second iteration it it turns around in almost for the first time on the, i think for the first time on the record in the sort of burly epic wide intervals we associate with finished black metal um. and it does it at light speed suddenly the, rit- the rhythm part accelerates past the lead and we get right it's this huge sort of rama lama moment and at that moment, you hear some of the, like, stomping skinhead energy you get in the old stuff, but, but it's the counter melody, right? And the main mood, if you follow the mood in that vamping heavy metal riff or in the sprawling atmospheric part that hit before, right? The
4: doo-doo-doo-doo,
1: right? The main mood isn't fight brawling. <laughs> it's trying to light a cigarette in the rain,
0: you know what you know what the thing is about this record what makes it so weird is all the emphasis is placed in very odd places like like it's like listening to someone speak English but periodically they're they're they they're 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 not mispronouncing something but they're emphasizing the wrong syllable in a word and it uh-huh. suddenly makes it very unfamiliar you know what they're saying, but it's just very strange the way it's been constructed like I've got a really good example of that on my next sample, but I think that's a thread that goes through this whole record. Um, Like, for instance, something I'll point out, um, I don't know if we've necessarily sampled an exact point of this, but there's parts of this record which are extremely vocal-driven to the point where the Mm. the riff underneath it will essentially just be sort of a, a rock chord structure. Um, but the vocals are still delivered in this, like, sneering, spitting, black metal style. And that's almost the weirdest thing about it. Like, I can imagine this record with semi-melodic vocals, and it, it almost intuitively makes sense.
1: I think I'm hearing the same thing as you, but coming from a different angle. To me, it often sounded like there was so much melodic work done by these huge leads and the focus was so much more on this sort of uh, bitter and pensive atmosphere that I sort of thought, why have vocals at all?
2: Mm, yeah. But
1: but those might go together, right? I mean, I could see a record that has doesn't default to the aggressive vocal format and then has some... In certain places, has vocals in a sort of yeah semi clean kind of more, more Motorhead approach yeah, or yeah, something like saying. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I could really see that. Um, so
0: so I'll I'll get to my first sample just because I want to before we forget I want to touch on that idea of like emphasis in strange places. So this is um and it is, it it hinges on a lead idea that is pursued very insistently throughout the song whenever a musician is spending a lot of time on a single melody they're trying to communicate something with that you know they're trying to say that this is sort of the center of the song but I can definitely say that a lead like this as the central motif of a black metal song hasn't been done before but if we go back to the mid-80s maybe we get something closer strange lead to to base so much of the song off of but if we go back to NWOBHM we we see stuff that's immediately comparable you know, or maybe not even NWOBHM but like I was saying before Children of Bodom the, the idea of hinging a heavy metal song off of a sort of straightforward pop hook almost but with a more minor keep chord progression is interesting and that's like a holdover from older styles
1: it reminds me of like i mean also just like big mainstream euro metal mm-hmm. like it reminds me of like scorpions i, I was know? about to say it, scorpions big, yeah big city big city nights i mean the vibe is completely different right big city nights is about like Trying to find more hookers and blow, but they're like all there already, forcing themselves on you. This know? is more like the vibe, Medium the vibe, City Sunrise, you know. Me, medium City Sunrise, right? There were no hookers and there were no blow, at least not of the kind you were looking for. It was it
0: was just black you know? coffee and a cigarette while walking to work. <laughs>
1: exactly.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So so we take that lead and we dump directly into a really sophisticated Satanic War Master riff. Um, which is one of my favorites on the record. It's just, it's inherently fucking awesome. It's the reason we all listen to Finnish black metal. But then it goes into another, even more purely NWOBHM passage with that little pentatonic run, that little. Dana, danada, doo, da, danada, danada, There's almost a funk to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he yeah, harmonizes yeah. the fucking thing, as you would back in 85, because of course, you know, mm-hmm. it's um, it, it, it's at once immediately familiar, if you've got a a long historical knowledge of metal, but immediately alienating because of the way it's structured in the song. He's using these... He's using these very, um, not flashy, but sort of like insistent and cool guy swaggering melodies in in an almost ironic way, you know? Counterpointed by the sort of like depressed... Sort of anadonic chord voicings underneath. I think it's really cool. Yeah, there, there's even something. um, Yeah, there's a kind of. um, What's
1: I gonna say? Like um, the. Yeah, the um, the way that contrast. You know, there's a lot of swagger in the the tandem lead, right? You know, it drops from the satanic war master thing into the really swaggering heavy metal riff Mm -hmm. and the solo section. And there's this really cool rhythmic stutter he does that sets up b- sets us up sets us back up for that sort of like vamping but really sort of uh tense heavy metal riff. Uh there there's like this um you can hear some irony in that. You finish the tandem guitar solo and then it quick back to do shit, did I forget the keys? Um <laughs> It's um <laughs> uh so, and this song is one of the more straight ahead bangers right really like here you can this is a very sort of brisk and high energy whole sample mm-hmm. even though it has more of the sour mood to it this is you know you can get um but here the satanic war master riff really is the exception that confirms the rule and that works on the level of the album as a whole too if you want just like a banging, anthemic Finn black song alchemistia Tu hoa is that for you mm-hmm. uh that that's track three that's a it's a fucking banger but we're not even sam it might be like you know maybe it's the best song but it's like on a different record
2: yeah you know what i mean yeah.
1: it's there for the it's there for the fans
2: yeah. um
1: <laughs> and here the satanic Warmaster riff it's really well skillfully done because of the rhythmic timing but it's mm-hmm. almost a quote either of satanic warmaster or of goat moons immortal's winter.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it sounded like it, it's just such an intensely classically finished riff. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, for
1: sure. It is a classically finished riff and I think what you're picking up in, on is like the strain the odd syncopation.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It hits in it's a classic melody hitting in places you don't expect. Um, mm-hmm. It's that shift of emphasis thing you were talking
0: about. Yeah. But um, and uh, so speaking of shift in emphasis, <laughs> let's go to my last sample, um, where we're gonna t- we're gonna loop back around and touch back on that that DSBM quality. Um, Seal and Viholainen's always had this sort of undercurrent of DSBM, or at least an uh, affection for it, um, and. Uh, you know, I I would argue that there's almost that sort of um, affection for DSBM DSBM and Nearly All Finn Black. Like, Sargeist sounds sort of DSBM, just in the way it works melodically. Um, but what's really impressive about this track, which is like primarily a DSBM track, is that it's still staying in constant contact with all those lead guitar theatrics and maidenisms that are... Making up whatever this new thing is. is dsbm at least obliquely you know it's um what it really sounds like is total self-hatred which makes sense because total self-hatred is the most finnish dsbm band uh it 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 is purely finn black and purely dsbm simultaneously and if there's something ceiling beholden is very invested in it's being particularly finnish uh And I like how it comes out here. And I like that, uh, you know, Matthias is taking the time to just present a full-fledged DSBM track. Um, That undercurrent is present on, you know, basically all of his music uh, in Seal and to some degree or another, but I like hearing it bear fruit fully here.
1: Yeah, dude. It's um, uh, something worth noting is just how Authentic. The the main the sort of uh, the sort of pl- plotting arpeggio part. Oh yeah. Right, where the, you have these these broken arpeggios that are fully allowed to echo. Um, it's one of the one kind of a rare moment where you hear a seal and, and then experimenting just with tone in mm. space, right? Uh, the these echoing arpeggios are so authentic to the DSBM tradition, and there was that one part like when he ran through the sequence once at the turnaround there's he does this brightening major chord at the very top Mm -hmm. right that's that's just like a sign that he is immersed in 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 that form right it's it's like oh yeah this is a real dspm passage so I, i guess where do we go from
0: here i shit man I, either, either uh, back into bins of dusty, forgotten NWOBHM seven inches from 1984, or into the future in parts unknown.
4: Perhaps a magic man he Lies in a liquid by golden sap within his hand And he rides above the mountains with a secret that he holds For well, the time has come, the people must be told So shall it be written So shall it be done Come dare and feet. warned them of the darkness Of their evil and their greed Somehow they ignored him Though their faces filled with fear So he turned away And shed single tears So shall it be written So shall it be done Came the warning from the prophet. had gone unheeded nothing more that could be done he returned into the mountains from where he had begun now he watches from the heavens as the void is drawing near and the prophet's words are ringing all too clear all too clear all too clear
0: I've got this theory, or not a theory, it's just, it's sort of a reality that I think everyone listening to this show will understand that, like, ever since 2020, um, really since the show started, everything's been getting worse. Um, I'm, I'm in a particularly sour mood over the last few weeks. I'm just, I, I'm stressed, I'm overworked, I got a lot of irons in the fire. But the bigger sticking point is, like, Weird interpersonal problems, you know, sort of social problems I'm having with people. And not just the usual friction, but behavior on the part of people I know that's just so weird it almost seems alien. And I think that that has something to do with, like, the movement of Western culture ever since the Year of the Rat. Um, everything's getting shittier but not in the sense that we're everything's collapsing it's just sort of sick all the streets that I drive down have more potholes than before food tastes worse you know worse quality ingredients are being used interactions with people are just fucking weird you know people are doing Mm -hmm, bizarre mm -hmm. shit that doesn't make any sense and they act like it's completely normal
1: Three multiple people that I know have just lost it.
0: Yeah. I am I, losing friends because they are just starting to become completely unhinged. Um, and it's happening with such frequency you know, you, you have to do some self-critique and be like, am I part of the problem? Because I feel like I'm in a fever dream when I interact with people now. Uh, everything is melting and everything's getting worse and it doesn't really have a a source. It's just sort of poisoning itself. Um, and it's been like that for, for, you know, going on four years now. Um, when I was younger, uh, I used to listen to a lot of, um, sort of uh, odd stuff in, in my, my depressive, uh, phases, which still exist, but are a little more controllable now. Um, I would listen to, uh, you know, DSBM and stuff like that, but I'd also listen to a lot of Brutal Death. And listening to certain stuff like uh, Mortician or Enmity gave me a feeling of real nihilistic hopelessness uh, that that sort of resonated with me and helped me get through hard times, as weird as that sounds. Uh, Trichomoniasis with makeshift crematoria out now on New Standard Elite is like a perfect recreation of those feelings. And I listened to it five times yesterday, and it was exactly the sort of not curative, but symptom-controlling medication that I needed to to get through another day of bullshit. Uh, trichomoniasis plays noise-brutal death gore grind very much in the vein of Last Days of Humanity, Enmity... Uh, the mexican disgorge um maybe postulated neoandertals stuff like that stuff really on the fringe um, definitely functioning more like a noise record than a metal record or at least a heavy metal record as we would understand it um, and i there's nothing i can say about this record that will not conv- that will convince people who aren't into this but i think it's brilliant Not merely in its extremity but as a sort of atmospheric piece because I think the things that I was describing about the world we find ourselves in are very important to this band and I think they feel a similar way and there's an expression of emotion on this record of a a mingled rage and anxiety and confusion and paranoia that feels very appropriate for the present moment. Maybe a strange thing to say about an ex- an ultra extreme brutal death record, but there's something very now about this, and I think that it couldn't have come out at a better time. So, Black Metal Guy, what do you think of Trichomoniasis? Vroom, vroom,
1: vroom, 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 vroom,
0: vroom, 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 vroom,
1: vroom, vroom, um, <laughs> There's the review, uh, ladies
0: and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> the um, completely accurate description of it, by the way. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It's um,
0: it's I, I can hear the similarity
1: to stuff like Enmity, but Enmity has well, uh, it has riffs. They're not melodies, but they there are riffs. Yeah. Right. Uh, or you also compared this uh to in texting to me. You also compared it to Concrete Winds, right? Concrete Winds is nothing but riffs, right? Even Mm -hmm. though they're all just the most horrible and, uh, horrible and anti musical riffs ever written. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, not organized around riffs. Um, there are probably things you could isolate as riffs, but they're, operating so much faster or slower than their usual versions that you won't register them as such. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like that Knitting record we talked about recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people have all, been uh,
0: comparing these two records very directly.
1: Yeah, a lot of people in the YouTube comments, right? But Pinch harmonics as just com- like, it's just another kind of chord. Right? Yeah. It's not an accent. It's like one of the main kinds of chords. Uh Pretty much almost if you're going to be playing a melodic note, it's actually a pinch harmonic. Um, uh, something that's not a chug, I mean. Um, so, sorry, that was my power unit just collapsing because everything in the world is getting worse. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, onward. So uh, other than that, like comparisons from within, aside from Concrete Winds, comparisons from Black Metal Universe, maybe aside.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I mean Tetragrammicide te- is like secretly a brutal death band.
1: Yeah, Tetragrammicide and like Antichrist Kramer noise music. Yeah,
0: intolitarian or something Yeah, like
1: that. yeah. It's um Tetragrammicide has is very brutal death, um but in a very different way from something like A Partiva or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And it's uh it's Tetragram it's very brutal death and it has a lot of just blown out uh muddy low end. Um this is, uh, to really, um, to enjoy this record requires being just immediately into the, uh, the, the textures. Yes. Right? Yes. And so for the death metal guy, that's a no brainer. For me, you know, it's cool, but to get something out of this record, I actually really have to listen intently to the song structures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, appreciate it more on a conceptual level. But it is awesome. And, you know, the fact that it's not for me is part of why it's cool. It's completely uncompromising. Um, yeah,
0: it's, it's definitely, um, this style has become a sort of niche unto itself yeah. that I think yeah. is slowly getting more recognized as its yeah. own thing. I mean, because, I mean, chances are a lot of this is improvised or at yeah. least written and recorded on the fly over a drum track. Um, but there, I think that essentially you talked about listening intently to the song structures. There are sort of organizing principles that operate at a very high level on this mm-hmm. record, sort of like across multiple tracks. Uh, yeah. this seems to be a record built out of suites of two or three clusters mm-hmm. of songs in a, in a sort of a grindcore manner. Um, but there's, there is a strange feeling of, like, very abstract narrative uh, being produced yeah. over the course of
3: it.
1: The, yeah, and on some songs, individual songs, you can even get it, too, like on one of my samples. It's, it's hard to... This is, in some ways, very original boundary-pushing music. It's hard to imagine a new form that is sort of... Uh, it's hard to imagine a new form that more people than the death metal guy can enjoy coming out of this coming out of this record in particular. Um but some records are building a new style and others are more like kind of wrecking balls and this record kind of explodes any remnant of brutal death metal convention or, you know, uh lords forbid death metal convention right (laughs) that that is left in the songwriting right this is um this is now a self-contained way of doing business like extreme guitar noise but like not skullflower yeah um although i think the guy from skullflower would like this Um, (laughs) it's it's um yeah so this is it's, it's pretty wild. Um, and yeah, I totally get what you mean about this being a very now record. I mean, the lyrics are... Uh, the, or the song titles, right? I mean, fuck, fuck their lyrics. but
0: uh, <laughs> Probably the, um, not,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, song titles hint at that for sure. You've got things about, you know, like reverse transcription, polymerase chain reaction, right? So that's about RNA transcription methods. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you've got... Um, yeah makeshift crematoria which was a headline circulating for a while
0: and the uh, the sample on the second track where they they use that i believe yes. is probably coverage of like in the middle of covid uh probably yes, in yes. India.
1: yeah they're they're stacking the bodies oh I, I mean i think they said similar things about the us too mm-hmm. or you know, they, they were not not crematoria but they were they were stacking the bodies outside the hospitals um the um there's a lot, of, um, a lot of medical language throughout this, but in a kind of different way from uh, the carcass way.
0: Yeah, I mean, the second so, track being called The Viral Underclass seems pretty pointed. Yes.
1: yes, this is much more about the horror is not... The horror is not you look to the medical textbook for examples of hideous accidents or injuries or or um you know or just just representations of the body in in extremis it's more like the horror it's not like using the medicine to get to the horror the horror is more medicine itself yeah there's definitely some sort of body horror panic gore stuff on here like uh one of one of my tracks is a crazy title that seems to be about cancer Mm -hmm. but a big part of the horror is sort of uh, tech, biotechnological control through the medical
0: apparatus. Right? Yeah, um, lots of descriptions. It's a, it's a lot of it's about like viral transmission yeah. and uh, th- yeah. you know things metastasizing, growing yeah. out of control.
1: If, if you like Deleuze or Agamben, or you know. Sort of the cooler Foucault stuff, right? This record has a lot of that. I
0: oh, think. I don't drink wine. I don't know what any of those are. Anyway, so <laughs> I thought that was a good bit. I don't know. Um, oh no, no,
1: that was good. I just, I mean, but my God, I couldn't. You just vaporized me. <laughs> you know, I try to never mention that shit on this show, but like, it seemed relevant.
0: No, no, that's fair. Because like, you know is- what
1: it is. There's a certain kind of listener who's like. Oh, I don't know about all this conspiratorial shit, but you name some French theorists and they're on it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, no, I think I think you are pulling on something here, which is like this is like clearly intellectual music yes. in in its own weird way. I I've I wrote it in the notes. I'm not going to harp on it like the whole brutal death or this sort of like noise gore stuff as high art. Like, it just is, and, like, you're either there for it or you're not. I I think I'm kind of done peddling that to people. Sure, Um, sure. You've you've
1: proved your thesis.
0: It's been established, and this is, like, maybe this is, like, one of the most triumphant examples of it. It just, it is exactly what it is, and it is also, you know, almost academic in its nature. Um, So let's just play what it sounds like. Um, I'm going to play two tracks just together, because on a record like this, where they're structured in suites, the process of listening from track to track is a very important part of it. Uh, so we're going to listen to involuntary, Involuntarily Sterilized, The Uterus Collector, and Hinged Operculum. Uh, and this is what the record sounds like pretty much the entire time. Sounds like Noism. It sounds like Encenothroc. It, it sounds like all those things. But the thing that gets me about this record is the um, there's a sort of feeling of panic to it. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of stuff in this vein sounds, you know, overwhelming and dominant and cruel and insane and all those things. Trichinomyces sounds like terrified. You know, there's a strange intersection of being the predator and the prey at the same time. Mm-hmm. and there's And something about that is so, like, anxiety-inducing and, like, there's a real oppressive quality to this music. Like, it's, it's super dark. Like, that Cadaverosity record that we covered a few months back was kind of similar. And it's like, man, this is, like, noisy and incoherent. Why do I feel so bad? And like attacked in a way that I don't from other stuff. Um, It might be the sort of unhinged improvisational thing, but I think a big part of it has to do with just the scope of the record. This is 36 minutes long, which is unimaginably long for a record like this. That is operating at ridiculous timetables. You know, Last Days of Humanity's Putrefaction and Progress, which is like their apex, is a 25 minute record. The Enmity record is long, but Enmity kind of fades into the background and becomes this meditative thing when you listen to it for a long time. This is really in your face and demands your attention and just doesn't stop for almost 40 minutes. And the endurance test aspect of it and the ability to start picking apart broad movements over the course of multiple songs is part of the experience. It's supposed to be this grueling thing that you undergo, and I really like it. I, <clears throat> I think the idea of bloating this shit to almost forty minutes is incredible. We should operate on a bigger scale. I hope their next album is a, a fucking double album. I hope it's two. <laughs> CDs. I hope it's two fucking CDs of this. And and you lock people in your splatter apartment. vinyl. If yes. you make it
1: splatter vinyl, people will buy it.
0: Yeah, a, a four LP, and uh, you, and you lock people in your garage, and you make them listen to the whole thing, uh, and they and they, they come out changed for better or worse. <laughs> I think. Um, well, well, the
1: locking in garage and making them listen—that's definitely part of the noise thing. I, I think Boyd Rice literally. Was that White House or Boyd Rice who literally locked people in the venue?
0: Uh, I think White House tried to do that several times early on, I believe.
1: There was a Boyd Rice thing also where he made the crowd look directly, and he turned the stage lights on the
0: crowd. Oh, yeah, you know, and he, he the forced them on to, Yeah, Yeah, I remember that one. Boyd Rice rules. <laughs> yeah, no, so this is... I, so what I find interesting is that, yes, this is incredibly abrasive timbral music that is mostly improvisational, and yet, over the process of listening to it, things start to etch themselves out. Like certain broad ideas start to congeal and take form and it's never clear enough for you to fully understand it but that's kind of part of the horror mm-hmm. of this record is like recognizing patterns but not being able to describe them
1: yeah well I, I got one real quick like the basic riff form here really is mm-hmm. which you could hear pretty clearly at the beginning and end of that sample mm-hmm. Um and it's a good example of like the slide and the pinch harmonic and really kind of both at once, sliding pinch harmonic Oh yeah, these, these basic riff unit.
0: The horrible mm-hmm. woofing slides, just like yeah. the string sounds going off constantly. It, it, mm-hmm. They're just like gunshots going yeah. off the whole it's, time.
1: Yeah, yeah, constant panic music. It, it really does take ways that we all feel bad all the time. The sort of uh, <laughs> omnipresent. We talked about this a little bit in a different way with that. God, what was that? That, that? that that very unusual and cool sort of symphonic black metal with the sort of goth indie undertone that we did. It was uh, uh, talked about a while ago The uh, with the Water in the Cemetery song, right? It, oh, uh, oh, yeah. Shroud of Despondency. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, Shroud of Despondency had it too in a different way, right? I, I talked about how like they sort of capture the omnipresent tension of of this moment, right? All the different lines of tension running through us. Mm-hmm. This record does that, but in not in tension mode, in constant panic mode, right? Yeah, it's it takes those lines of paranoia, anxiety, uh, and and sort of uncertainty and just fear and it takes them and it cranks them to acute concentrations and yeah. just forces your face into them. It, it, it's uh, weird
0: because it's all it's all like regular anxieties but they're compressing a month worth of them into like a 2-minute song.
1: But but a lot of them aren't regular, right? Because it's also just I think any us and anybody who's listening to this show probably is also suffused with world historical paranoia Mm -hmm. and the continuous fear that you know new friends will uh somehow you know uh go insane
0: and and turn um, on you turn on (laughs) them
1: exactly yeah who great who's gonna go insane and
0: turn on me next Um, yeah (laughs) I've been asking myself that question lately
1: (laughs) yeah I mean the the isolation broke some people uh -hmm. and we're not gonna uh we're not going to fully understand that for years and years but the um uh it's just and it, yeah it's it's happened to my friends to people close to me have had friends turn on them in that way too it's just bizarre yeah um but anyway so yeah there's all sorts of uh you know and or you know you're like great what's on the news how is the shit going to continue hitting the fan yeah. <laughs> um how could it hit the fan faster there's all these kinds of anxieties that um really have been ramping up since about 2015, but are now fever pitch and mm-hmm. uh, and are mixed up with the everyday anxieties about, like, shit, how am I going to pay the bills? And, you know, did I forget my keys?
0: Yeah. It's... Uh, it, it, and almost the the conflict between these, like, high-level anxieties and low-level ones. They, they, mm-hmm. they merge and they're spit out in these weird ways. Um... I don't know play another fucked up song <laughs> yeah, cool. so in terms of like I mean what
1: I wrote in the notes for this one is for some reason this one stood out to me mm-hmm. but if I had to uh if I had to tell you to listen for something, it would be more of that sort of basic riff form which if you trace it far back enough, really is thrashing death metal and at the end of the sample, but I probably earlier than that too, you'll hear something that sounds like slow morbid angel riffs played very fast so this one is uh imbued with senescence
0: If these guys uh, went to Nepal and hooked up with uh, Kolkata Inner Order and they started a project together, would the world just fucking end?
1: Is that the end of the review? That was just such a good one-liner. Um, anyway, <laughs> the... Um we, we like to try to figure out when to leave it on a cool line. But um, anyway, so that part, now I remember why I picked it because it was fu- it would just was built around these gut busting breakdowns. Um, and the, the breakdown instrument, the, the, the technique they're using is just these pick scrapes. Just the the breakdown is one note, but the one note that keeps repeating is like four notes smeared together, and it's just a sort of scrape. And it's
0: it's delivered in this bizarre timing where it's like limping along, like a hair past where the note's supposed to hit. It's every there nothing is clean on this record. Everything is deliberately offset
1: it's like literally knuckle dragging yeah.
0: like it's dragging
1: its knuckles but it's it's also just very heavy there are breakdowns on this record and big rhythmic parts that are much more sort of um heady um or just panic inducing mm-hmm. this one is th- these are just these are fun they are aggressive uh that that you know that was that first one is just a crushing minimal breakdown, um, and you could hear people exporting that technology. Um, you know that particular kind of scraping breakdown riff, um, or slam riff. I guess. I guess well, in some actually, sense it's a slam, but a it's lot simpler of, than a lot of slams.
0: This record on uh, in its slower, kind of more slamming moment mm-hmm. sounds a lot like Astral Tomb.
1: Oh, Astral Tomb does do those. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear that. Um, and the cool thing is it just, yeah, it just hangs there on one note. It doesn't even have a fancy slamming rhythm. Uh, and then the way it accelerates is So b- both of us cackled during the sample where it just goes with this flyaway blast riff with this horrible
0: seesaw song, pinch harmonic. <laughs> um, some of those things remind me of Cryptopsy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely, like, Blasphemy Made Flesh would have but, stuff like that. But at the end, um, I think you could hear it,
1: you have another one of those sort of convulsing Blast Chug riffs with those seesawing Pinch harmonics, and uh, some of those sound like the Pinch and Bend-based Doomy Morbid Angel riffs being yes. played really, really fast. Does that make sense?
0: No, definitely, like, the, the, the slowest stuff off Blessed Are the Sick.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I
0: I mean, that's that's still kind of untapped potential for a lot of death metal bands. I think people are just starting to realize, like, the slow parts of Morbid Angel aren't just heavy. They're truly weird and unsettling. And mm-hmm. there's, like, like a-, a whole language that you can derive from those that probably has something to do with, like what some of the really weird down-tempo bands or, like, deathcore bands are doing. Like, uh, yeah. Humanity's Last Breath or something. You know, th- th- there's some sort of common yeah. DNA there. Um, so let's uh, let's do another one. Uh, Predacious Style It. When I heard this, uh, I could not fucking believe they did this. Um, <laughs> it, it's... D- d- because shit just happens on this record, like just unprovoked antagonism happens, and <laughs> no, it's it's awesome. So I I really love. Yeah, I no, know, I know what
1: you mean. That's a good descri- It's a good description.
0: Yeah, it's like there's nothing to justify like doing this to us. It's just weird and mean. Uh, so I really love Neanderthals, which are uh, a brutal death band that are known for. Uh, using bass only but specifically like an almost completely undistorted bass uh, which is just one mm-hmm. of the weirdest fucking things that you've ever heard I think it's awesome, it's totally unlistenable um, Pradesh's style at, is just the drums and the vocals and the regular guitar has been replaced with a twanging lead guitar that uh, a twanging clean guitar excuse me, that appears to be sort of vamping on sort of like Chinese folk melodies or something like that. Um, But really, I just want to play it because this opportunity to hear the timbres is so weird and fascinating. Like to be able to hear the fried edges of the vocal distortion or to really hone in on the sine wave form of the kick drum It changes the way you interact with this music and it somehow sounds like even fucking worse than the rest of it. sounds the most like the album art. Yeah. It's it's one of the the worst sounding fucking things I've ever heard. Just genuinely, that's just an atrocious thing to hear. It it bothers me. (laughs) They're they're taking the clean guitar and then they're periodically just pitch shifting it way down so it becomes a sub bass frequency. I, I wondered for a second if they were like they recorded it normally, but they forgot to put on the distortion patch in their DAW, and it just rendered like this. And they were like, no, fuck it, that's cool. I mean, yeah, why not? Just We'll just have one without any distortion.
1: It's... I mean, at points it sounds like things I've heard on experimental guitar records, but like... Yeah, yeah, like things or
0: something. Yeah,
1: exactly. Things played by friends that, like, I've never gone and actually listened to, but that are fascinating when you hear them. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, there's some of that. I mean, I I um it I didn't really hear the ch- it's um w- well, the Chinese might be offended by that characterization of their folk music. Well, there's
0: there's some weird <laughs> chord phrasing that points to East Asian stuff. Although listening closer on headphones now instead of my car stereo at deafening volume while I scream, um it, it does sound almost more like John Zorn, like free jazz yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you mean, though. There is extremely weird intervallic choice and probably like semitone shit in Chinese folk music, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just, um, I, I, I think I hear it. It's what, it's, but um, it, it's definitely in the avant garde jazz and experimental mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, so the other thing they're pitch shifting is the vocals. But they do it in a different way it's not just like the vocals are sort of it's not just oh he has uh gutturals and they're at a set shifted pitch it's used d- dynamically mm-hmm. and so there will be parts of the music there was on the last sample too where the vocals will just drop another octave or you would be like what the fuck is that <laughs> sound and it's the vocals um and they basically you know usually when you get sub bass in a and in, say a slam or brutal death record right it's for the sub bass drop mm-hmm. um or it's a function of sustained guitar and bass tone um like you you're getting a little bit of sub bass mm-hmm. this is just they create their own sub bass level whenever the vocals want to dive under the guitars mm-hmm. uh and the vocal tone is awesome. The gutturals; these are sick gutturals, <laughs> and the way they're being manipulated is really effective. And so, it gives you the heav, the somatic heaviness of the sub drop, but it's sustained. And instead of really just sitting at the very bottom of the mix, it's kind of also everywhere, Uh in a very disconcerting way.
0: And yeah, well, it's so also, much um, of. Well, I, I was just gonna say it's. Uh, it's also a mechanism of how there's zero effort made to create any sort of rhythmic structure vocally. It's just mm-hmm. sort of ranting and roaring constantly over everything it, mm-hmm. it, it just this sort of like incoherent mess of like attacking noise I, I yeah. love it <laughs> it's um the other
1: thing is that in insofar as there's a melodic idea in that passage, it's just strobing yeah. It's um it's just str- like the idea is simply Doppler effect. Everything goes
3: vroom, vroom, vroom.
1: I think one of the first futurist composers, Luigi Russolo or something, an Italian futurist, he, he tried to make a kind of like pure machine instrument that was mm-hmm. basically just like strobing car sound.
0: Oh, like early music concrete type shit. Yeah, and there's
1: like way more notes in in this right, there were a ton of notes in the guitar part, but the overall effect, especially when you add the whoa, whoa, whoa vocals in there, is just is just um, machines passing.
0: How's it going, Connor? Here from Oncology. And you're listening to Determinus.
1: And we are back from talking about how people are just gradually going crazy and losing it to review Includervenevogion with Honan uh, Blade 2 out now on Bandcamp by Inversolar Requirium on tape by Analu Ragnarok on LP by Urtod Void and on CD by Dark Adversary um so that name that I couldn't pronounce um. is, it seems like it's LLN gibberish, but it is actually Cornish, which is a Celtic language that is close to Welsh. Mm. Um, and it's a, yeah, it's a compound, meaning something like uh, Elder Undertaker, Elder Undertaker, I know this from the uh basically effectively liner notes or mini review that's been written by Rites of Pestilence, which is how I know this record came out. Um uh the, the Rights of Pestilence channel. Um this is from a scene that I've had my eyes on for a while. Uh probably a lot of you listeners know better than me, but this is the inverse solar requiem. The the spelling's a little weird, but I think we can just say requiem.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um inverse solar requiem scene from uh from the uk but specifically cornwall um we've reviewed one other record from this scene which is the surter wounds Mm, um but uh you know he he put that out on inverse solar requiem but it wasn't one of the sort of central sort of cornish bands uh on, on this on this label and um This, I've been sort of, I guess, waiting a while until one of the main bands put something out at the right time for us to review it. And now is that time. Um, The, uh, I guess we could set the scene sort of for the music by talking about the location. So Cornwall is this long peninsula in the southwest of uh the southwest of the the main the main British Isle uh, and um it, it's it's in although Cornwall is a distinct region it whereas the Welsh have held out and have a bit of autonomy uh Cornwall is basically English now um although there's still regional some remains of the regional language and culture and whatnot uh it is a and so it's this peninsula, and it has unusually warm weather. So there are a lot, and there are a lot of beaches and ports. It's, a, it's big for shipping and vacations. Uh, it's warm enough that you can grow palm trees there hmm. sometimes, which is um, because of the currents, the, the particular way the currents go. Um, and that gives it something eerie. Right, Uh, a sort of other it's this kind of other world tethered to the British Isles Um, in terms of history right this was the last southern readout of the Britons uh, so who were driven back there by the Saxons Uh, there's actually a great uh, bit about Cornwall and the Last Kingdom although unfortunately it's not very kind to the Cornish um, especially the TV staging which you know gives them the chump armor mm. um yeah they do that to everyone who's not in the vikings you know they have to have chump armor um but um the uh so they're they're so the celts are sort of driven driven into the corner by the saxons but retain you know uh cornwall remains as an independent kingdom for a long time uh and the castle Tintagel, reputedly the birthplace of king arthur the uh, Celtic champion against the Saxons was in Cornwall um and then there's some weird stuff about the name so the root in Cornwall obvious, is obviously sort of cornu which is uh, like horn right so the peninsula right we can call a peninsula a horn uh, and it's it's corn and then whale which is like the Saxon word for the British right which is like Welsh um, so you you could call it the Horn or Peninsula of the Britons, um, but you know if you want to just take the root words and compound them together, you could just call it. You could say, come up with the sort of uh, just the term horned foreigner, mm. right? Which would be
4: the devil,
1: <laughs> um, and or evokes you know the Celtic god Cernonos. Um and the band uh this is a this is pagan black metal through and through but not necessarily of the kind that's normal these days it is a very uh this is a sort of night especially grim and strange nightside paganism that is not as far as i can tell the uh anti-cosmic germanic heathenism thing that is uh basically an offshoot of orthodox black metal and is uh crypto christian Mm -hmm. um the uh this is certainly seems in touch with the chthonic forces of the celtic underworld but also just with the gods and the spirits um the uh, Rites of Pestilence makes a good point is that on the cover, he's the, our cryptic protagonist is wielding uh, the Alhaz inverted, the death rune, but also the Alhaz up, right? The life rune, right? Mm-hmm. And sort of partaking of celestial and chthonic forces together. Um, the, uh, um, But this notion of a kind of especially dark paganism that is not... um. Opposed to
2: paganism,
1: <laughs> as the anti cosmic stuff is, um, is uh, is very British in a way. Uh, so Eisensker who we've reviewed, has that sort of nocturnal mushroom uh, black metal. Uh, Instinct, that's a deep cut, and then even things in the t- you know industrial scene like Enjura or Tenhorn Beast, um, mm-hmm. who we've reviewed, um, and. The record as a and in terms of within black metal, you can hear him drawing on some of those anti-cosmic pagan bands. I mean, I think um the way he's styled himself clearly owes something to Arcanum, to Chamante. I was thinking Arcanum, yeah. yeah. Um Volcanaz also. Um although I don't know if Volcanaz is anti cosmic per se, but it has something to do with all that. Uh Arcanum and Vulcanaz, um But also with, uh, you know, yeah, well, yeah. So it has something to do with those things. And the overall mood of the record is maniacal witches, Sabbath vibes. Uh, It is really cool. Like the last record we reviewed, this is strange, you know, strange raw music that is extended for way longer than people are used to with the style. Mm-hmm. So so where that was a brutal death record clocking 30 minutes, this is a sort of, in some sense, a minimalist raw black metal record clocking 50 minutes, mm-hmm. which is astonishing. Uh, I I love this. This is definitely like year-end for me, maybe high
0: year-end. What do you make of a death metal guy? This is like I'm gonna have to listen to it more, but this is potentially year end for me too. Cool. This is super fucking weird. Um, we've covered a lot of sort of black heavy metal fusion stuff uh, this year, especially, um, and I think this is the first one that's like fully grabbed me because it's it's reincorporated a lot of sort of traditional heavy metal, or in this case, even like Thin Lizzy stuff. Mm-hmm. But it 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 sta- it doesn't feel like that softened the edges at all. If anything, it's just made it weirder and more alienating. Um, I have this really weird idea about the record, um, where it insofar as there's a problem with pagan black metal or pagan metal or heathenry, what have you, it's that. A lot of the bands or nearly all the bands in metal that trade in that sort of thing position the listener sort of at the center of pagan antiquity, where it's like, you know, we're drinking blood from the skulls of our enemies with our boys. You know, we're, we're, we're at the center. We are if we are Vikings, we are in the middle of what Vikings do and what they are best known for. And that's cool and fun. But there there's a suspicion that I have that maybe that's not exactly what black metal is meant to be. I may black metal is maybe no matter where it's supposed to be positioned, sort of on the fringes of wherever it is. And in this case, this is sort of like being on the fringe of a culture, even in pagan antiquity. So he's not only taken the first step of like understanding paganism as it actually is, which is like, we would perceive it as radically amoral and kind of insane in certain ways. But then this band positions itself. uh, Yeah, well, yeah, of course. But this band positions itself. Just clarifying
1: for the listeners. Yeah, no,
0: of course. I'm a a Catholic, but I'm Um, (laughs) open-minded. This positions itself at the edge of that. Like you were saying, it's like Maniacal Witches' Sabbath. It's like okay, there's a pagan religion that your village is into and you're practicing a really fucked up, disorganized version of it that is, like, half weird interpretations of folktales and half, like, pure delusion on your part. Um, I find that fascinating. I I, I I love the idea of sort of taking these, like, simple black metal concepts of, like, alienation and rage and, um, and isolation and resentment and dropping them in that period of antiquity. So where other black metal bands suggest, oh, wouldn't it be sick to go back and be a Viking? This posits, hey, if you went back in time... And you were in one of these societies You wouldn't be at the center of it You wouldn't be a regular guy You'd be a fucking weirdo there too (laughs) Which is just a a really A really interesting way To execute a black metal record And one that sort of makes intuitive sense It's like yeah We're not just like a guy in this era We're the like fucked up shaman That most of the people in the village Don't even want to talk to Um, And that's really Uh, cool
1: I'm glad you came around to that, because that's what I was going to say. This is, in the way that it does this, it's like a lot of just the best pagan black metal. I think the tendency you're describing is...
0: Um, I, I got, yeah, you wrote in the notes that you wanted to, like, clarify. Yeah, this is not me approaching anywhere near people saying black metal's about individualism. It's it's, it's fucking not. But I, I think that it's not about carving your own path. It's about not being a part of something or being on the edges of it. And I think there's Uh, ways to do that in many different forms.
1: Right, I get that. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I think part of what you're also getting at is the distinction between, say, so, I mean, the the thread that we're weaving, right, it's like the... I, get, I could go... I could talk about this for too long and it's late, very late at night for you, so we should... I, I don't want to do this too long, but I guess the... people... Um, the, the, there's the sort of idea in... Uh, some of the... How do I want to approach this? Now, I've been thinking about it all day and now my brain's fucking broken. Um, but, like, basically with the the real pagan black metal um there was it fixates on stuff that in paganism was marginal and weird so like uh although a bunch of pagan bm you know pagan metal bands or whatever talk about odin or whatever mm-hmm. the god odin was a god nobody almost nobody worshiped Intensively as a personal god, because he was a god for uh, aristocratic warriors and wizards, Um, (laughs) and he was associated with being a fucking psycho, right? Uh, You know, um, sacrificing yourself to yourself for increased power, right? Increased power and knowledge, right? For uh, with war for its own sake and conquest and things like this, right? Um, He was. and his devotees like berserkers or whatever were like anti-social or were yeah cross-dressing shamans on the edge of town um, who were sort of and some of those people might hold often those people held great power in the culture but they were sort of the exception that confirms the rule mm-hmm. it was like the outside the, um, the power outside the walls at the center of the walls holding it together um and uh that's something that like the best the best pagan BM gets. I think like the weirdest Graveland shit, like a thousand swords, totally gets that. Or Treldom mm-hmm. um does that really well. But then stuff that's become very popular now that we think of as pagan black metal or whatever, like Absurd or Goat Moon or whatever, or even Bill Skrner, it's very much like you're in it with your boys. Yeah. Right. And even though they're talking about Odin or whatever, the mood is very much often more like Tyr or Thor or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and that sort of uh, that might be pagan metal, and it can be really good. But the aspect of the marginal or the exceptional or the anti-social, right? That's essential to black metal. Maybe isn't there so much. You know what yeah, I mean? Does, no, does that
0: make sense? No, no, I fully agree. I, I, it's you like, know.
1: It, it, to be pagan black metal, it has to not just be pagan. It has to be fucking bizarre. It has to have this sort of current of... Uh, um, it has to have... Um, the... Both the king and the outlaw impulse.
0: Yeah. Well, you, In short, like while it can be cool to do music about it, black metal is probably fundamentally not about hanging with your dogs on the battlefield. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it, like it's, it's fun, but that's it's not really, I think, no. central to it. No, the
1: stuff that's really about that is not really black metal, right? Mm. It's, yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, the term pagan metal is fine and refers to many, many good kinds of things, and you can see pagan metal coming right out of black metal but it's a, if there's something about the mood, yeah, it's Black Metal places itself at a distance. Yes. I, I, I think that that makes sense. Yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So, so let's listen uh, to
0: Weird Tunes.
1: Yeah, so um, I guess I'm, I'll make an overall statement and then immediately play two samples that sort of undermine it. Um, <laughs> or not undermine it, but like, basically one thing that makes this record so good is the serious long-form composition happening in riff 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 uh underground black metal songs um there is a lot of the songs uh initiate ideas that come to fruition much later or introduce genuine mid-song transformations that lead to unexpected places that said none of that would be interesting if there weren't a foundation in Riff A, Riff B, Riff A, Riff B, Riff C, uh, and the, the just the 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 core the core action riffing on this record is incredibly solid. Not just solid, just really powerful and economic. Um, and a lot of it's derived. Although we've name checked all these, you know, these cosmic, you know, these sort of darker pagan BM bands a lot of the riffing style on this record really is coming from Slav stuff. Hall, Graveland, Ukraine, the, you know, Astrophase and Druidkin, what, whatnot, but really not, often from the weirdest bands working that vein after those original Slavic bands. Um, and you're gonna hear some of that now um, in Guavneskar. And to get that core riffing, I'm just gonna sample the first two minutes of the song. Oh.
0: are yes but I can see I can see how it relates like in this very strange way to like Roman Sanko stuff
1: absolutely so the the first band you might mention like like Slav riffs these sort of like broad broad chords uh sometimes with these sort of like trilling high strings going uh um and in sort of uh these sort of mixed, sort of bright major harmonies with like strange dissonance or whatever, right? Like, you can hear how that that's like a Ukrainian thing. Um, some of those melodies there, especially the more bold, power chordy one in the middle, really mm. sound like astrophase, whatever, yeah, which is yeah, definitely knows.
0: because it's he's using mm. um. Uh, these the chord shapes are so weird, and he's using these very bright, almost major figures. Like I was actually thinking of like Autumn Aurora by Druid. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. just because it's like Autumn Aurora is a record that you think should sound a lot sort of like more chilled out and sunny and That's nice true. than it is, That's but it's true. actually like fraught with all this weird tension.
1: And, and it's really aggro. Like the cover is almost wrong for Auto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um the uh yeah so astrophase or early druke basically however both of there's a um the folkiness here is much more in the background right astrophase and druke you could be like okay that's a you know a folk melody mm-hmm. uh here the 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 intervals are even weirder and more tense um and that's where yellow eyes comes in
2: Mm, right yeah yellow yeah.
1: eyes the, the 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 nyc art black band that gets a pass um and uh they've listened really seriously to the ukrainian stuff but bent it in all sorts of bizarre kralisy ways um and you can hear that here not just in the trim chords but i think especially in the scronky arpeggio in yes. the middle of the passage
0: I mean Kralis and like Colin Marston stuff in general wouldn't be totally amiss as like no. a, a point of comparison here. I think you're
1: right on that initial riff. Yeah, I
0: mean um, that's a very Kralis-y thing to do. Just the obviously Kralis, much simpler. Well, so.
1: Yeah, Kralis was also very, very influenced by the Slavs. But um there's some other things going on here compositionally. So um although there's this sort of um flashy moment in the middle with the scronky arpeggios. What's going on here underneath is just extraordinarily rigorous uh, uh, drone composition. Every single riff is a variation on the same melodic phrase. Mm -hmm. At the end where the sample comes out, it sounds like he's gone back to the riff at the beginning of the sample. It's not. It's slightly mutated. Mm -hmm. Each one, I think eventually in the song he does go back to the riff at that starts the song, but only at the very end. Um, The song builds to a really powerful, uh, properly triumphant... That's a place where I will use that word. Triumphant sort of climax. Big, broad, Dorian intervals. Claw-fist moment. And then he just replays the beginning of the song. Um, But that particular melody and the way he's reworking it and all... It reminds me of another regional scene um, with unpronounceable names, which is the Basques. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're also really responding to the Slav bands. And Ostots, especially, has this blend of very difficult, angular, sort of mountainous cording that's being played, nevertheless, with this hazy, atmospheric vibe. And then we'll just sort of shift into... Powerful, stern, and sort of satisfyingly resolved riffs. Mm -hmm. Um, And even to say that, it's like, I just described black metal. You know (laughs) what I mean? (laughs) No, but like,
0: yeah, I get what you're saying. A
1: lot of things about this record to describe what he does so well, I end up just (laughs) describing black metal. This is, although this seems to be a niche exercise in an eccentric. Sort of uh, mar- marginal idiom. Yeah, this is this is down the line a brilliant black metal record that just does. To explain why it's good, you have to be like, here's why I like black metal.
0: Well, yeah, it's um, it's it's an exact modern counterpoint to the Samain record.
1: Yeah. Oh, the Samane record. Yeah, absolutely. This is like the Samane record too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, for for listeners who aren't familiar, it's S A M A I N, which is a Australian um, Irish warrior, Irish barbarian warrior uh, record, which is also extremely weird and shamanic.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, same uh, weird, fringy relationship with a pagan culture. I don't think people were typically ejaculating on their swords, but in Samane they do.
1: I'm glad you remember. I'm, I was gonna say it if you didn't. Yeah, that's like
0: the most memorable thing. I, it's a really good record, but the, the most memorable thing is just the the pure psychosis of some of the fucking lyrics.
3: <laughs> like,
0: what the fuck, dude? <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah.
0: It's like I ejaculate
1: on my blade before battle, and uh, <laughs> it's yeah, man. Um, so this is deranged in a very similar way. Uh, deranged but fundamental. Um, and yeah, let's. So other things I can't stop thinking of when listening to this record, sort of speaking of deranged, uh, Moonblood. There's a component of this record that is very stompy. Um, uh, And some of that stompy stuff, or I think a lot of it, and some of the bizarre blown out deep vocals, is coming from the Yorkshire scene in the UK, like uh, white metal.
0: Oh yeah, that Um, makes sense. I I can definitely see a a relationship there.
1: But, but there's other stuff that, you know, the, the German stuff like Moonblood or even some other German stuff. I, I'll play the sample first, and then I'll, I want to do a comparison. So let's do um, Men Groan Logel. Also, just the beginning of the song, because they're that, Yeah! <laughs> absolutely sick riff um to talk more about the um the the moonlit stomping uh earlier in that track so although that can remind you of you know fill in whatever one punkish one two beat pagan black metal band you want and it is like that i i think it's also got a lot to do with stuff that's much older and this and specifically like thrash what a lot of that is is um especially after the first riff when the double bass enters you can hear any and the the melody becomes a lot more dissonant um you start to get this sort of like um sort of a thrash riff but much more melodic a lot more melodic shape in it and a lot of weird folky bends and things being done in this sort of hyper-syncopated way under a thrash beat that's unusually slow. And again, just this, you know, absolutely mad dancing around the Sabbath fires vibe, the night on the brocken. And uh, it reminds me of what may be the first second wave black metal song ever, Death Trap by Destruction.
0: <laughs> the vocal performance on this uh, unpronounceable uh, band's uh, record is uh, really fucking gorked and cool, too. I, d- I did yeah, want to bring up like, a special note. Of it: The vocals on this are completely insane. It is to modern
1: black metal what destruction was to, like, normal people music in the 80s.
0: So, uh, continuing on the thrash thread, I don't know if you get any of this vibe, but a lot of this... Uh, a lot of this kind of sounds like it—it it has some of the vibes of Obsu, but like applied yeah. to music I actually want to listen to. Like <laughs> I, I like there's a there's flickers in Obsu of something just as like gorked and sociopathic as this. No, yeah, yeah. It's like the whole vibe that Prescriptor brings is awesome. I just can't stand the music. Um, but that that. Thread of thrash, or really, I mean, a lot of this is kind of like one point five wave, like tormentor type shit. <laughs> um, Moonblood, I can see. I never got that into Moonblood myself. It was one of those, one of those bands where all the talk I heard about them didn't like match up with what I imagined in my head after <laughs> you know actually hearing it. But I definitely get that this sort of like rough hewn, deeply violent and pagan still very heavy metal black metal um yeah but yeah. i'd also like to say that on that that second sample you put on uh, uh men grow on Logo it's uh the stomp riff is like it's it's bizarre they, like the interval choices in the stomp riff are wrong like you there is a way to take that rhythm and make a riff that is like perfectly contiguous with absurd etc um and he absolutely doesn't do that he uses a, a really big, wide interval that's swinging, like, a little bit too fast for its own good, and it is authentically pagan, but it's also, like, authentically unhinged. You know, that crazy witches, Sabbath thing you were talking about. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a cool way to, like, deliver heavy metal kicks without compromising the sort of aesthetic integrity of the whole unit.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. They are... Their melody... Yeah, the intervals... It is a... I get what you mean. It has the same function as the uh, muscular, noble, absurd riff. And it is muscular and noble, but just like also deezed and on mushrooms. Yeah. Like like, like sort of like like frothing at the mouth. I, I hear what you mean. It's like, you know what it is? It's like the intervals are so broad and almost pentatonic that they sound more like a heavy metal riff that you should be drawing out to twice the length, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the interval choices like the destruction song kind of, you know, um, but, um, it, yeah, I, I think I get what you mean. It's, it sounds more ancient by not sounding folky. In the way that absurd sounds folky,
0: yeah. I, I and I like how this record, um, despite being a pagan black metal record, actually sort of, to me at least, rarely sounds folky in the way we think of it. Yeah, uh, there there aren't really a lot of gestures toward like basic folk standard melodies from the Isles, or at least not ones that I'm in touch with. Maybe there's stuff that's just so old I'm completely unfamiliar with it, mm-hmm. but this. This sounds like a very pure interpretation of what those things might sound like through the lens of sort of heavy <laughs> black metal. Um, so, so I, I, I could, pl- I've got a sample here. Uh, I think I'm just going to do one sample, just because it's like this is a record you really need to hear for yourself. It's long, and there's a lot of variation on it, and trying to pick something truly representative is kind of impossible because a lot of weird mm-hmm. shit happens across this that we haven't even, like, really <laughs> yeah, touched on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's awesome, but I kind of like leaving those as surprises to the listener. But let's go to uh, one of my favorite tracks, which is Carnbre Bora, which has, I think, my favorite riffs. You pointed out Blazebirth Hall as being essential to this, which it is, but not Not necessarily in the way people imagine it. Mm Blazebirth Hall contains a lot more than people think. uh, Because a lot of people, you know, will listen to Blazebirth Hall, and what are they immediately attracted to? Like late Branicald and mid-era forest, which is sort of objectively the most accessible stuff within Blazebirth Hall. Don't get me wrong; those are my favorite parts of Blaze Birth Hall too. I, I basically like it all, but I like the big ones. It's the same reason Hammerheart's my favorite Bathory album because it's the best one. Um, but what this project seems <laughs> what this project seems really interested in is the earliest stuff by Blaze Birth Hall. Uh, you know, you know, Storm Height by called, the self titled Forest yeah. debut. Um, and by the way, outside of like the house of first light guys, nobody's listening to those records. You can try wait, to. Insi- wait. I am. I, uh- I, you, yeah, you are. You, but you're like an insane person with a metal podcast. People don't fucking do that. Like, people don't listen to Storm Height. I know you're, you've got friends out there who say, oh, yeah, I listen to Storm Height all the time. No, you fucking don't. It's like in mono. You like only hear it out of the left channel of your stereo because it's fucked up and they like <laughs> record it. Again. It's like, and it it barely, it's it's so crackly, it barely sounds like music. It's fucking awesome, but I'm, I don't listen to that on a regular basis. Or the the first forest record, which is like I remember I, I I got you to listen to that, I was like, you're gonna love this one, because it's like it's got the things you know from forest, but through a filter of Iljarn. And it yeah. actually ends up sounding what I always imagined Iljarn was supposed to sound like It's the first forest.
1: Record. Oh my god. The one, the second track, The Flames and the Ash before the horizons open wide, is I think the ultimate Blaze Birth banger. It is it, it's the song that plays in my head at every moment of just sort of peak, peak strain and triumph. <laughs> Nuts. Um, and there are parts on this record that sound like that.
0: Yes, yes, there are. And let's let's listen to a part that is perhaps on the record one of the most definitively BBH. <laughs> The guy behind this project might be the only one who actually knows how to write fucking forest riffs um, everybody at this point has attempted to knock off like the, the BBH style of riffcraft. a lot of them do cool stuff but basically none of them do it right because everyone's paying attention to <laughs> nobody pays attention to like the last couple notes in a forest riff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they like that that it that take like the the epic landscape melody and immediately like make it darker and more aggressive. I have tried to write forest riffs. I'm not capable of it because m- my brain is poisoned by metalcore and shit. I, <laughs> I, I I can't I can't fucking write anything that emotionally complicated. I'm just sad or I'm angry. Um, This guy knows how to do it. How to take these elongated droning passages and infuse them with like a complex emotional texture wherein triumph and a a sort of like fearful darkness coexist. And as you're going to immediately say, they cannot exist without each other because they are fundamentally related. Um, I'm just, I'm going to scoop you right there. Uh, Keep going. So... This guy is, I, you know, the BBH thing is crucial to this, but I wouldn't even say that it's foremost on the record. So what does it mean when a guy is able to take one of the secondary influences and recreate their processes better than almost anybody?